This podcast is an unedited excerpt from a live MCLE webcast. See the episode notes for details about the speakers and links to the program's full video and audio recording. Get access to everything MCLE offers for one low subscription fee with the MCLE Online Pass. Learn more at www.mcle.org slash online pass. Please note that MCLE's products, services, and communications are offered solely as an aid to developing and maintaining professional competence. The statements in this recording may not apply to your circumstances, and no legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice is being rendered by MCLE or by its speakers. For full terms and conditions, see MCLE's website. And now we're going to hear from our two judges, Judge Fabazuski and Judge Hernandez, regarding their view from the bench. Um, and again, because we don't have any specific cases right now, um, what they would potentially do. And again, no one has a crystal ball, but um, what Judge Hernandez would maybe do if it came before him at the um, initial level at conference and hearing, and then what Judge Fabazuski might do with her panel uh, if it makes it up to the review board. So take it away. All right. Well, given I haven't heard a case in about, God, 12 years to dust off my dusty robe. Um, That's like I, riding a bike. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, first I tell the parties to go outside and settle the case and um, we'll be done with it. Move on. Um, no, like it, it was funny because um, Judge Pabzuski and I were talking real briefly during the break how like these cases, like I said earlier, it's just so fact specific that you really can't generalize uh, as to what you would do. Um, again, you just posture, you, you, you take in the evidence. Um, th- there's so much detail, and it, again, I, I really it's hard to kind of like just say I would do this or I do X or I do Y. Um, again, it's just look at the case, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but truly the umpire, you see how it comes in, you really have no agenda and, um, and hopefully you craft a conference order that in a, in a way you kind of almost want to craft a little bit towards settlement, uh, you know, each side, you know, there are cases where obviously it, if it's clear cut, you get, but you always, there's a little bit that each side gives up. Uh, and that's why I used to try to do with, uh, with conference orders, uh, kind of, Set up, posture it uh, for the future, and then at hearing, then you take the deep dive into hearing. You got all the all the evidence, uh, and they hopefully you craft a good decision that the ALJs uh, would hopefully say, "Wow, you're a fantastic judge. Your writing skills are off the hook," and get a summary, uh, get an SD on it. Didn't happen with me. I got a few that would kick back. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, again, it, it it just I hate to say, it, but it depends on the case. So, is there anything you'd recommend, Judge, for um, either employees' counsel or insurers' counsel when they're presenting to you? You know what you would maybe want to see um, in terms of facts or um, medical records, in terms of what you would want to look at when you get one of these cases. Um, I think yeah, the the facts would be the medicals we will read, uh, and you want to take a deep dive on that. You want maybe highlight a couple of things. But don't get bogged down on that. In these cases, it is the facts, and that's what's important. And make sure you're clear. I don't need exact history every minute by minute by minute. Hit the major bullet points, you know, what the responsibilities were, what happened, and, and, and how 
you go to treatment. Those where you want to focus on. The medicals, don't get tied up on that. Because uh, those, you know, the way the system is designed, the judges have that, uh, if it goes well, 48 hours before the conference. And all of my judges, I know, do read that um, beforehand. They want to go in there prepared. So if there's any questions, um, they have to go, you know, surgeons will, oh, what'd you say? They've read that. It's the facts, and especially in cases like this. Um, and in the same on the defense side, all right, what were the responsibilities? What were the obligations that were consistent? You know, the duties that were, that were consistent with the obligations of the employment. Outline those. Um, I think for those, the facts, again, not so much the medicals, but the facts is what's really important here. And lay it out. Take your time, um, but hit the bullet points. Hit the, hit the major points. Uh, and like I said, on the med side, we'll, we'll take a deeper dive on that. Um, you know, in terms of the likelihood that these cases are going to be unwitnessed, and I know, you know, at the board, we have cases that are unwitnessed, even occurring at the employer, um, but where the employer doesn't have it, potentially any access to do any type of investigation, look at the, you know, accident scene or take any photos or anything like that, um, will that have any sway or, you know, would getting a, you know, signed statement from the employer about what was reported to them at the time when the employee called, I mean, would any of that be beneficial or? Absolutely. And, and I think you just even take a step back, even a step further than that. You mentioned earlier about prevention, I think was early on in, in our program, um, having that communication with whether it be HR or the employer themselves with their employee, how you set up, do you have economic, because we've done it. I know I can speak from the state side. They have, they have done that. And I think that communication, that safety, to front end that. So later on, well, we did communicate. We did reach out. They said they were fine. Now it's like they've got wires everywhere, what have you. Um, and so I think that is important. And if you are going to do that hybrid model, that there is that communication between employee and employee, and basically you kind of want to design. And it's not going to be an exact replica of their workstation, but they could come close to that. I think you will avoid a lot of problems. And I think that that safety part, uh, if you've got documentation like that, I'm going to say it's required, but I think that would definitely sway towards the, the employer side. Well, look, they, you know, they did do this. They did took all these different measures. If the employee ignored it or said, no, I was fine. And it, all right, now, all right, now let's pay attention to that as well. So I think that that's key. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, well, judge, play devil's advocate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's no negligence. So, I mean, even if the employee doesn't abide by that, you know, there's no comparative negligence in workers' comp. So, um, you know, you kind of take them as you find them. So, I'm sure Judd's probably shocked. Yeah, I know. He's chomping at the bit here, yes. <laughs> yeah, I just perked up when you were talking like that, Terry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely uh, got my live face here. Um, Judge uh, Fabrzewski, Um what would you be looking for in terms of um, the, the materials in the record uh, to either, you know, sustain or affirm what happened or, or send it back? I mean, basically, the echo what Judge Hernandez said. I mean, it, it's so fact specific. The the tighter that you can nail down the facts in the record, even if they're disputed, the tighter that you can make what the disputes are, 
is, is really going to be helpful. And, you know, I do think, too, you know, all of us have actually talked when we were doing the panel that we're not doing an employment law seminar to, to you know, like a general employment law. It's really geared towards workers' comp. But some of these questions, especially the ones that both you and Terry have raised in your presentation, and they should get the parties thinking about what kind of issues might come up and how they might need to have um, the information gathered uh, to be able to present a case. And I agree, prevention is, is the best part. And hopefully it's going to spur a dialogue so that employers and employees are both thinking, what, what do I want out of this? What do I need out of this? And how can this be done in a, in a safe way. Um, you know, one of the interesting things too about the case law that when I had looked at it to do, um, to prepare for this, um, is that the cases, as you saw, they were so fact specific and the courts seemed to say frequently there wasn't one issue that was dispositive. It was looking at the entire picture. So um, that's something that I think both parties should also keep in mind. When we do talk about things like an employment agreement, or I'm sorry, like a work from home agreement or something like that, it's not necessarily to say that that's going to be the silver bullet. And if, you know, the hours were eight to four and the accident happened at 4.15, that it's, it's a done deal or anything like that. But it, Looking also at um, you know the, the, what you have, um, and also too, one of the things we had talked about was when you have agreements. Also, policies are great, but if people aren't following them, um, like we saw in some of the cases that we did here, that well, this was the policy, but then people generally did this, and that was okay. That's gonna you're gonna end up in the same place. So this is all to kind of spur thoughts because we really don't have the answers right now about what's gonna happen. And the way the, the, the law is written, it's, it's, it's not specific, right? You can interpret the law because it's so broad arising out of it in the course of employment. It's written that way for a reason so that, you know, if situations arise now or in the future, um, you know, lawyers can make their arguments to try to fit into that, right? I mean, I, I was thinking when you were talking about the Sikorsky case, which is another case that our office handled the the person got hurt on a, on, on a mountain on a ski trip and, you know, certainly not what she would do at school, but she was chaperoning the ski trip. But, but the case really turned on very finite, very small facts. She had a walkie talkie. She was communicating with the, with the ground if she saw some students in trouble. So she was kind of on duty, even though she was going down the mountain with the students and she unfortunately got hurt, but, you know, off premises injuries, uh, we're going to be seeing more of them, obviously. Um, you know, while we were talking, I got an email uh, sent to me by a big corporation. And the, t the title of this email, the subject was, have you been looking at hybrid work all wrong? And I just wanted to highlight one thing that was said in this sort of advertisement slash email. Hybrid work is not really about where you work. It's not on-site versus off-site. It's not days of the week in the office versus home. It's that and more. So you're going to be dealing with a lot of new facts that you wouldn't ordinarily be, you know, in just a typical office or industry environment. Right. And I think, you know, some people too, again, if, you know, their, their spouse or partner has, an, you know, they're going to be taking calls all day and they need to read, they might go to a local library or they might go to a Starbucks or, you know, somewhere else to get a quiet space 
So they might not even just be working from home, they might leave. And I think that's going to present some issues too. Um, what if they get a car in a car accident going, you know, to the library or somewhere else? Um, and I think to what Judge Fabazuki said in terms of policy, you know, finding out like, are they limited to only working from home? Will they allow them to work offsite at other places? Um, you know, are people going to be working at their summer homes or winter homes? And, you know, maybe they're outside and something happens where they get killed by beach umbrella, just talking out of like craziness here, but you know, who knows? And they were reading a brief at the time, you know, but they were sitting outside, you know, I mean, stranger things have happened. People have broken teeth on, you know, ice cream, social breaks. So oh, 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 oh. <laughs> nice. That's a little inside joke. <laughs> yes. It's not really a joke. It was a case. Not a joke. No, yes. It was a decision that, like I said earlier, review board loved to send some of my decisions back. That was one of them. Yep. But I mean, to that, you know, I, I think it goes to this and a little bit too, you know, it was, you know, looking at it in terms of, yes, that was on the employer's premises, but kind of like the going and coming rule that we're kind of looking at a little bit too, that's so fact specific, you know, that was, it happened not during a break and, you know, it was an ice cream social. And I think it was, was it a candy or a, a nut that cracked her tooth? She had put, she got, she had scooped um, different stuff in, like nuts and all these other. Um, oh, yeah. What's that called again? That, that's got a name. Like a, fi- a fixings, right? A fix, whatever. Yeah. Oh, they're good. You can get it yeah. at Trader Joe's, Whole Foods. They're, yeah. oh, oh, my God. So she literally put it in herself, took a bite of the ice cream, and chipped her tooth. Yes. And it was found compensable. Right. Gorp. So, I mean. I was thinking of Gorp. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the other thing, too. It breaks at home. You know, are those going to be compensable? Because, you know, although you're not on employer premises, you're at home, but presumably you're allowed to take a break. You know? Yeah, and we, so, have, we have break cases. We have cases where people are, uh, you know, on a smoke break outside or eating lunch in their car, or, right. you know, and they get out and they, yeah. We have those on the books. We can mm-hmm. review those. Um, I mean, just I, because they're working from home, I think a lot of the same things will still be applying. Um, it'll just be in a different situation. 